Welcome back to the Happy Hour, a palate cleansing podcast. Where we talk about happy news and creative solutions to the issues of today. And we believe news is best heard over a glass of your favorite drink. I'm Shaylin Martos. And I'm Malachi Wade. And for our first May episode, we're starting off with some vaccine updates, info on free museum days, some fun science news, and an interview with Emily Curiel, the photo editor of Express Magazine and an SF State photojournalist, about her recent food piece published in El Tecolote. Stay tuned for that. And of course, we'll have a special cocktail as well. But first, it's May 1st, known as May Day or Workers' Day or International Workers' Day, which is a day commemorating the historic struggles and gains made by workers across the country and the world. Power to the people. Power to those who fight for a living wage. Power to those organizing for systemic change and the dismantling of the capitalist agenda. In the headlines, the percentage of vaccinated Californians keeps going up. Ever since April 15th, when people 16 and older became eligible, about 50% of California adults are partially vaccinated, and according to Our World in Data, nearly 30% are fully vaccinated. Right here in my county, Alameda County, over 68% of residents 16 and older have received at least one vaccine dose, according to Oaklandside. Also, the CDC has updated its masking guidelines to allow fully vaccinated people to gather outdoors without masks, except in certain crowded settings, according to the CDC website. But I feel worried for my own safety and the safety of my community. And also, after a year of mask and outfit coordination, I'm not sure when I'll go back to not wearing them. I only recently solved my glasses fogging up problems, so I'm not about to waste that effort. <laughs> exactly. Now that we're all getting vaccinated, it's time to plan some low-key yet fun outings we can take to get out of our houses. And what better way to do that than dress cute and go look at some art? So here are some free museum days in the coming months. Tomorrow, Sunday, May 2nd, the Asian Art Museum, right next to San Francisco City Hall, is hosting a free day starting at 10 a.m., according to Do the Bay. You can visit the De Young and the Conservatory of Flowers in Golden Gate Park for free on Tuesday, May 4th. They're conveniently within walking distance of each other as well, so make it a day in the park. The Legion of Honor has free Saturdays for SF residents, and many of these free days continue on a regular schedule into June, so make sure to check your favorite museum's website for more info. You can definitely find me, masked but dressed up way too much, meandering the galleries as much as I can this summer. So today is going to be May. Going to be May. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just a bit sad about the end of National Poetry Month, established in 1996 by the Academy of American Poets. But the fun doesn't have to end, because according to Oakland side, applications are now open for the next official Oakland Poet Laureate. The town's Poet Laureate will serve for two years, and they have many different responsibilities, like penning a poem about the city, as well as public readings and an inaugural address. This position has actually been on hiatus for the past nine years, reinstated in 2021 by the Oakland's Cultural Affairs Commission. The co-creator of the program, Commissioner Manager Roberto Bedoy, wrote in an email to Oaklandside that the Poet Laureate will foreground the transformative power of poetry to foster belonging and will add to our city's vibrancy. Poetry, as Audre Lorde put it, is the most accessible art form and lays the foundations for a future of change. So any of you wonderful poets in Oakland, please check out the press release and the various requirements for the position and apply. Applications are open until May 19th and the selection will be announced in June. 
Shaylin, in a few words, what are your feelings about T-Rexes? She's a clever girl. Nice. <laughs> we love a we love a Jurassic reference. So new data shows that there were likely billions of T-Rexes that lived on our planet, and this is a much larger number than we thought. This started when scientists wondered how rare a T-Rex fossil was. Are they one in a million, billion, or trillion? It's one of those questions that I honestly didn't know I wanted the answer to until I read this article. So what is the answer? Well, a biology professor at UC Berkeley and his students started by applying modern tools used for animals today to the dinosaur era, according to the New York Times. There's a mathematical principle known as Dammoth's Law that says that there's a correlation between an animal's mass and its population density, though some aspects of it aren't absolute and the T-Rex weighed about six tons. So using various different factors, they came up with loose minimums and maximums for how many T-Rexes lived in North America at any given time. They came up with an average of 20,000 adult T-Rexes, with a total of about 2 billion over the millions of years the dinosaurs ruled Earth. But that felt like a rather low number for how long they lived. So in essence, it's still a big guess. There may have been over 100,000 T-Rexes in North America, which would mean a few more billion overall. And for how rare a T-Rex fossil is, it's anywhere from 1 in 80 million to as high as 1 in 16,000. So in popular media, T-Rexes were few and far between and totally scary. They're still scary, but they may have been more common than the modern sheep. Over 187 million miles away, a little robot just hovered for 40 seconds and changed space exploration forever. On April 19th, NASA's experimental Mars helicopter Ingenuity made history as the first human-powered successful flight on another planet. The Mars helicopter is an add-on experiment to the NASA Perseverance mission in the Jezero crater of Mars. According to KQED, this flight is one small hop for a robot, one giant leap for interplanetary exploration achievement. Space travel pushes the boundaries of what we know about our existence in this universe and always involves groundbreaking creative problem solving. For instance, the lower surface gravity on Mars is only 38% of Earth's gravity, so taking off from the ground is a bit easier than here. Although the air density on Mars is 1 100th than that on Earth, which makes it extremely difficult to stay airborne. For context, helicopters have issues with their engines and rotor blades at elevations like Mount Everest, which is one-third of the air density at the surface. So Ingenuity's twin propellers must make around 2,500 revolutions per minute in order to lift the 1.6 kilogram craft. It's about four pounds. For comparisons, a helicopter on Earth spins at about 500 RPM. This was a small flight, but no small feat. NASA planned multiple flights after April 19th. There was one scheduled for yesterday, but at the time of recording, we don't know what happened. We only know that the last one before it did not work out. But there's hope for the future of space travel. So exciting. Woohoo! Next up, we have an interview with Express Magazine photo editor and El Tecalote reporter Emily Curiel about her recent story on an authentic Chicanx food vendor created by an SF State student. Stay tuned! Well, 
Welcome back, everyone. We are here with Emily Curiel. She is a photojournalist and the photo editor for Express Magazine at SF State this semester. Hi, Emily. Hi. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I always laugh. I'm glad to have you on oh, just because, yeah, of course, because you just have such a, a sparkling and positive personality. And both Malachi and I have worked with you almost extensively. So we're really excited to talk to you about your work today. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm like super nervous <laughs> and like, I don't, it's just, I, I, thank you. I appreciate it. And I'm like uh, very flattered to be here. Can you tell us just a little bit about who you are, where you're from? Yeah. What stories you like to cover? Of course. Yeah, so my dad is Mexican and my mom's Guatemalan. So I am Mexican, Guatemalan. My dad's from Jalisco and my mom's from Izabal. I like to cover fun stories that are not negative and make you want to cry, pretty much. <laughs> so like, yeah, positive stories that make you happy and don't want to cry. Like, I don't like seeing sad stories. Like, honestly, all the news medias are like, pretty much sad stories like where are the fun stories at mm -hmm. where are the food stories at where's like hey that's why that's why we're here <laughs> literally we also love fun stories that make us happy yeah <laughs> we love it. so emily we want to talk about the recent multimedia story that you published with el tecolote about a young entrepreneur and chef who opened up his own taco stand and restaurant called mocachil that serves indigenous Chicanx and Mexican recipes. So can you tell us a little bit about how you found this story? Yeah, so it kind of came to me, to be honest, because I first did the story for a class. So I was like, okay, well, it's during COVID. I want to do something fun and upbeat and not like depressing or, you know, sad. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what do I love and like enjoy? And it was more like an idea, not really a pitch. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll do... Um, taco spots in SF that are that are interesting or fun or something. Alexis Terrazas from El Tecolote came to hear our pitches and I gave my pitch and he he said that it was good but it needed some some like oomph, some meat or something. No pun some intended. Flavor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some flavor. <laughs> Um, so I was like, oh, okay, well, all right, I can see where you, what you're going with. He's all like, yeah, it's a good story. I like that. But I feel like it's, um, a lot of people do that already. And I was like, okay, yeah, mm -hmm. so that's true. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of bummed out a little bit, but I was like, okay, whatever. I'll, I'll figure it out. I figured it out. As a journalist, you figure it out eventually. So then on a Sunday, I usually have Sundays off from work and I go to the Sunset Merchandise Farmer's Market. So I went on Sunday and I was like, oh, maybe there's like a taco spot around here. I haven't been in a while. Let's see. And sure enough, I stumbled across Morcachil and I was like, oh, wow, this place is legit. Like their banners, like super poppy and like it looks cute. Yeah. And they have like um, a serape on like the table. I'm like, OK, maybe I can talk to them. So then I emailed the owner and I thought it was like an older person, like, oh, it's he's probably like in his 30s. They're like very established. They look established according to their like website. And I was like, OK, let's just see what happens. So the owner of Morcachil emailed me back and the owner, his name is Nomar Ramirez. And then he told me about his story. And he was saying that he was a full time SF State business student, 21 years old, Latino and just opened his his uh, taco spot like maybe two weeks before I, I stumbled across from him. I was like, what? 
what? Like, this is like a big story. It's not just Literally like. Literally perfect. Yeah. It's like not even like a taco spot. It's like about a Latino trying to do his part in the community. And it was just, I just fell in love with it. I was like, this is so awesome. And I was like, oh my God, like, is it okay if like I take pictures of like how you guys are working and like, um, and like just your whole story about how how he started and everything. He was like, yeah, you know, he was super open to it. So yeah, I started off like that. And then sure enough, um, uh, I did a video. I interviewed him in person, of course, like social distance and all that stuff. And yeah, that's how it came about. Yeah, so since since he opened his business in October and it's now, I had to check, April, um, what has <laughs> changed for Nomar and kind of what changed in the story for you? Okay, so, if yeah, so he started off um, just doing tacos, just pretty much just tacos, birria, uh, turkey birria, and then, um, which is uh, totolin and um, zucchini tacos, which is um, ayotli. That's all he was doing at the beginning. And then uh, when I talked to him again, um, his girlfriend wasn't working with him anymore. And he hired two new people, which are also also, uh, Latinx. And then he was telling me that um, they were doing mole now. And I was like, mole? That's so cool. Like, yeah, you know, he was telling me that birria kind of takes too long. And it it just, it was Mm -hmm. just, he wanted to try something new. And then he mm-hmm. also got like a different, um, just like knickknacks. Like for example, they are selling like tote bags now, which is like super cute. Um, yeah, very marketable. So now he's got merch. Yeah, so now he's got merch. <laughs> um, and then they're selling like um, canned sodas, or not canned sodas, bottled sodas, uh, like glass bottled sodas now. So like you can also like have mm-hmm. your like Coca Cola with the tacos. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, you guys are yeah. like you guys oh, are yeah. like out there now. Yeah, so now they're not using the hand thing anymore. They're using the prensa so it like it cranks out tortillas super fast. So yeah, they mm-hmm. they um they actually like, you know, they got elevated. Also, I forgot to mention yeah. um a couple of weeks ago their van was stolen with all their stuff. Oh no. Yeah, with all their stuff inside. Um they I think they lost like their grates on their the grills and like some merchandise and yeah, they they got their van stolen and so they had to like um they had to cancel uh doing tacos for like I think a couple of weeks, like 3 weeks. So oh, yeah, and they found luckily they found the van like a couple days after in like the mission somewhere. Okay. And um, yeah. uh, the, cool, the cool thing is that he was, te- Nomar was telling me that he didn't want to do like a GoFundMe page because he's just like, I don't want like people thinking or like, just he just didn't want the house just because he didn't want to seem like needy or something, right? So then he's like, mm-hmm. um, he, he was telling me, he's like, yeah, you know, I don't know if I like should do a GoFundMe page. I was like, dude, you should totally do it. Like, obviously I didn't tell him like that. I was like, you know, I think, you know, maybe you should try to a GoFundMe page. You'd be surprised, like, you know, like how many people would be willing to help you out. And yeah, like the community, like raised a lot of money to like regain everything he lost. He like, I think he wow. raised around like 2000 something dollars and his goal was like 1,500. So, wow. and like, and it was wow. crazy. Yeah. Cause like, it was crazy. Cause like my story wasn't out yet. So like, the, the story published the day they got to go back to the farmer's market. So, like, it kind of just, like, 
kind of just like fell into place you know it was yeah so it was crazy yeah so i'm glad that they got their stuff back and they actually had like some support yeah he was he was telling me like it's so crazy how like you know i'm just like a taco spot like i don't i didn't expect like the community to come together to help me i was like you'd be surprised and so yeah Yeah. yeah. especially because this is like this is special for people yeah yeah this is some actual like like, like standing, you know, longtime businesses that are important to the community get started is, you know, by creating this community that's there to help them when they need it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he was, uh, yeah, he's just like super surprised that the community of the Sunset District helped him out a lot. And I was just like, yeah, dude, like you meet a lot of people. Like it's just not just a taco spot, Aww. you know? So yeah, yeah. It, it was cool to see, like, yeah, yeah it was cool to see that. And I was also going to say, too, that the first time I saw this story was when uh, we published it in Express Magazine last fall, too. And I remember opening up the folder of photos and just instantly drooling. And I still have yet to go eat their food. But I like the next time I go to San Francisco, I'm going to because I don't make it up there that much. But um, just like the steam coming off the zucchini. I'm thinking about it right now. Can you tell us a bit about Nomar Ramirez and why Mokashil is so important to him? So Mokashil is important to him or he named it that because he didn't want people to... He didn't want it whitewashed pretty much. He wanted to keep it as authentic as possible to his culture. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I was like, oh my God, dude, this is a guy who is like in love with his culture and not not many Mexicans or like Latinos or Latino ex... um, people are like that and I was just in love with that because I remember when I was a little girl like at one point I didn't even want to talk Spanish I was like I don't want to talk Mm -hmm. Spanish Mm -hmm. Spanish is dumb blah blah blah. and now it's like when you get older it's like no our culture is awesome like what like this is it's it's totally it's it's just awesome to see that someone cares about their culture that much and I feel like um like it's just inspiring too to just you know, believing your roots and what you do. And it's just, it's, yeah, he was, it's, it's very inspiring. And can you tell us a bit about how the restaurant runs from your perspective and from what uh, Ramirez told you? Oh yeah. So they run on Sundays only because of the farmer's market and they basically prep everything the day before. So here's a guy that is full-time student and has to prep all of the food before Sunday. So he usually uses Saturday as a prepping for like uh, his meat, his um, his um, saute that he uses for his zucchini and basically all the food that he uses on Sunday. So he's he's a very busy guy. He goes to farmers markets on Saturday in the morning and that's like his his routine. So yeah, he's a he's a very busy 21-year-old. <laughs> From your from your conversations with with the owner, um, what stood out to you about his food and recipe choices? What stood out to me was that he wanted to use Mayan, uh, like 
my his Mayan roots pretty much. So I was like, oh mm. wow, like what, like why is that, or why did you want to do that? It's just that we come from there, and I really wanted to incorporate that into my tacos. I just didn't want it to be like a regular taco spot to get like greasy tacos. Like no, I wanted it to be like mm-hmm. like very um, organic. So all his food is organic. It comes from like non-GMO, non all this other organic stuff I, I i forgot what else they use but it's all organic <laughs> yeah and it's like uh local farms mm-hmm. too, yeah local right? farms he 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 uh, supports local farms too so it's it's all organic handmade tortillas um mm. yeah so i i appreciated that from 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 like his menu too because like yeah and i told him too i was like you know what your tacos are the only ones that don't hurt my stomach so like props <laughs> Yeah. And they're like, um, it's it's kind of, I, I saw that a lot of the names for his items are in Nawat. That's really, really cool. And then also it's like some traditional flavors and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he uses all our, our traditional, oh, well, he used to make uh, birria tacos from Turkey because he was telling me that mm-hmm. Turkey is native to Mexico. So they were doing that, but then I guess he wanted to try something new. So now they're doing mole. The mole recipe came from a person in uh, Mexico that gave him like an authentic like family recipe. So yeah, mm. props to to him getting that. That was crazy because now it's like his yeah. thing. But yeah, mm-hmm. I love mole. Yeah. Me yeah. too. It's it's, it's really good, guys. Things. Like his, especially yeah. the tacos. Oh god, it's good. It's good. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Bringing this all to the present with getting published in El Tecolote, um, how did you first get involved with El Tecolote? Um, we know they have a really close relationship with SF State since they started in response to the student strike in 68. Notice that that was a rhyme. Um, sorry, I, I realized that I could do that and I had to. Um, and we uh, have that internship class with them too. So if you give us a little brief um I guess, backstory with you and El Teco. Yeah, so I, okay, so during like last year around, I want to say May, end of April, May, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to stay in the Bay. That rhymes. (laughs) Um, I'm going to stay here in the Bay because I just want to, I don't know, get my feet wet. I don't want to go back home and there's a pandemic. I'll just stay out here, yeah. see what I can find, and I'll just do an internship. So, like, I, I um, emailed El Tecolote, um, and I was like, hi, you know, my name is Emily Curiel. I, I'm a photog- staff photographer for Golden Gate Express. Like, I'm looking for an internship this summer, and I was wondering if you guys were looking for anything. Like, I'm available. So, Alexis Terrazas, the editor of Te- El Tecolote, emailed me back, and he said that they were happy to um, offer me an internship. Um, it was not paid, but I just wanted to get my feet wet pretty much. So mm-hmm. he was he accepted me. He was like, yeah, you know, I saw your work on your uh, website and like these photos are really good because I uh, was taking photos every day during the pandemic. And um, he said, yeah. And then he sent me like a press pass and that's how it all started. Aww. Yeah. So like I, I, I think I did a good job. I'm pretty sure I got like published um, a couple times. Uh, I think it was like two covers. I got two covers on El Tecolote. Wow. And, um, nice. Yeah. Alexis is like super cool to work with, for or, and with. So 
Yeah, that's how it all started, and then um, yeah, because he's a SF State alum. Yeah, too. yeah, he reps so. us super hard. Yeah, and he was um, a, so for the story, he was a guest speaker for that pitch I did for Morcashil. And then um, I saw that SF Chronicle did a taco story as well. And I was like, oh, hell no. If they could do it, I could do it too. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> I was like, I'm going to pitch this to Alexis. And so I sent him the video. I sent him the story that was published on Express. And he replied. He's yeah. like, Emily, yeah, this is great. Like, I'm so down to publish this. Like, the video slaps. Mm-hmm. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> And then, um, yeah, sure enough, they published it, like, the first week of April. And I was like, oh, what? So, yeah, it's, just, it's awesome. It's awesome. Emily, like, seeing that and talking about the community and how much people really appreciate Nomar and Mokoshil, it's, it's really interesting because there is such a huge lack of Latinx reporters and photographers and news media. Therefore, there's a huge lack of... Latinx stories and things that actually show Latinx people not as monoliths within their culture, but actual people doing actual yeah. things. It, a lot of that is changing and it's due to people like you who are like, I want to rep my culture. I want to be here. And so as a Latino journalist, what do you want to accomplish working on specifically Latinx stories? Oh, it's going to take me a while to answer that. Sorry. <laughs> it's just like an intense <laughs> question. Okay. It's an intense question. Oh, it is. That's why it's the last one. question. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot, I don't want to sound like kind of dorky, but it's just important to me. Like, it's so important to me because, you know, as a kid, like I never saw stories about the Latinx community that were that were positive. It's just like negative things about the Latinx community. Like, no, we're not just mm-hmm. cholos and gangs and stuff. No, we're more than that. We're, what about like the Latinas who like take good ass pictures? Where are they at? You know what I mean? I, I applied for MLB and there's they're all men, all white dudes. Like, where are all these Latinas? Like, I want to be like the first Latina on a staff photographer for MLB to like shoot pictures like that's what I want to do or like wow. anything anything like that you know what I mean so it's like really important to me and in a lot of ways it's this homogenous representation of Latinx people like only being Mexican yeah exactly I'm not Mexi- like Mexican mm-hmm. I was gonna say Mexican <laughs> I'm not I'm not just Mexican I'm Guatemalan too you know like my mom's from Guatemala mm-hmm. like I'm not just Mexican so it's it's um yeah, like I, I'm, I'm also very diverse as well. Like I, I would love to work yeah. on stories from like not just like Chicano stories, but like also like people from Guatemala. Like, where are they doing? What's up with them? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Emily, thank you so much for coming on the happy hour and talking about your story and why it's important. And we're just really excited to see you publish more awesome photos, videos and writing. Do you want to plug anything on the show like social media? Oh, yeah. So (laughs) my uh, handles are a little funny. Um, So my Instagram is short little kid with two D's. If anyone wants to follow me. Love it. And my <laughs> website is emilycuriel.com. So it's very simple. Just like me. A little bit. I, I can <laughs> nice. be a little complicated sometimes, nice. but it's all good. 
go go check out uh, the On Today's Walk series. Oh, Always yeah. Always a fun time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we love that. Yeah, a lot um, of people like so it, and cute. I'm glad because, yeah, it makes yeah. me happy. My walks make me happy. <laughs> yeah, I just, I went, I was going through like some something like really hard, and like I finally like mm-hmm. let that go, and it's just, I feel so free. Good. I feel so free. I feel like a butterfly. Best way I can describe I it. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're here for you. Yes. We support you, you, Emily. We support Thank the you. butterfly. And everything that you do. Are you oh, graduating this semester? Yes, I am yes. graduating. Oh, oh my God. Congratulations. It's, it's super scared, though. Super scared, but like, it's, you know, I, I can't believe I got it this far, too. It doesn't feel real. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, I've yeah. been going to school since, like, what, 2010? So, like, it's a long-ass time, y'all. Yeah. But, like, I yeah. I never thought I'd be here. Like, literally. I was like, when am I ever going to, like, graduate? And, like, I suck and blah, blah. I don't say that anymore because it's not worth it. Now it's like, damn, I'm proud of myself. Like, this is, yes. like good job, Emily. Like, you did it, girl. Good job, Emily. <laughs> good job, Emily. <laughs> you did it, girl. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Yeah. This was honestly really fun. I'm glad I got oh, to chat. So fun. Like of all about this with both of you tonight. It was great. No, thank you guys. I'm so flattered. Ah. Welcome back everyone. Thank you to Emily Curiel for chatting with us. We had loads of fun in that interview and it's always good to catch up. And now for our final story, which is very close to Malachi's heart. Oh, yes. Anyone who knows me knows that I love fonts. They convey an aesthetic. They command the direction of a page. They tell us if a website is modern or outdated, and they give me endless amounts of joy. (laughs) And now a new font honors an iconic city's look and history. Fog City Gothic is a new font inspired by the unique design of San Francisco, and it's beautiful, classic, and bold. And I couldn't be happier. Fog City Gothic is derived from SF's old black and white embossed street signs, which were prevalent in the 60s and 70s. This inspiration feels quite fitting considering that street names are such an integral part of the city's identity. The designer behind the font, Ben Zotto, a Hayes Valley resident, explained in a Q&A with the SF Chronicle that when the old street signs were embossed, the blocky letters softened around the edges, so it looks different from different angles. For Zato, the name Fog City evokes nostalgic and prideful feelings for San Francisco. As a designer, I can see Fog City Gothic being used in logos and designs to foster a deeper connection between SF and businesses or publications in an artistic way. I've already downloaded this font and I'm jazzed. The font is on sale at fogcitygothic.com. And in his interview, Zotto said that he hopes that San Francisco people might grab it without quite knowing what to do with it, then find something fun to remix it into. So much fun. It's it's beautiful. Just for context, Malachi is so into fonts and design <laughs> that I got her a typography book for her birthday. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful coffee table book. And when I have a coffee table, it will be front and center next to my <laughs> space book about planets. <laughs> And now it's time for our favorite part of the show, our tailor-made cocktail recipe. Today, we have our first cocktail inspired by our guest. This one's for our lovely Emily. Here is the green butterfly. This cocktail is actually a mocktail. There is an option to put some alcohol in it, but in Emily's honor, this drink is bright and bubbly without the booze. 
The Green Butterfly is a home-brewed ice green tea with some yummy ginger beer, Emily's favorite when out and about. Here's what you'll need. Loose leaf green tea, lemon, two big old pitchers or containers with lids, your favorite ginger beer, we suggest Reed's Ginger Brew. It's absolutely delicious, and you know we at the happy hour love a good ginger brew. And any other ingredients you'd like to flavor your tea. Brown rice, jasmine flowers, orange peel, sweeteners, whatever you'd like. We are really excited about this tea because we have a fun new brewing technique for y'all to try. My family and I love to sun brew our tea. It's super easy to do, and though it does take a few hours, it's 100% worth the wait. So you fill a container with water and your loose leaf tea. Put about one tablespoon of loose leaf tea per two cups of water. And if you have loose tea bags, that would be great, but it's not necessary. Then throw in any other ingredients you want to flavor your tea. I love to put in jasmine flowers since jasmine green tea is my favorite. Also, green tea with cooked brown rice is a staple. Now cover your container either with a lid or a cloth or whatever and leave it in the sun for a few hours. This is my favorite part. Just leave it there and forget about it for a while. It's getting warmer and warmer, so what better time for some sun brewing? After about three to four hours, you take the container with your tea and strain it into another container. This will get all those little leafies out of the way. Sweeten however you'd like with honey or sugar or keep it unsweetened. Then for the green butterfly, fill a glass with ice. Pour in your sun-brewed green tea up to half of the glass. If you want to add alcohol, you can pour in two ounces of rye whiskey, which is a bit more spicy and mixes well with citrus and ginger. Then top it off with your ginger brew and a lemon slice. There you go. The green butterfly itself is a pretty simple and refreshing drink for those warm days in between spring and summer. But any bartender will tell you that the magic of a good mocktail is in the prep. Unique homemade ingredients. You can find all of our cocktails on our Instagram at THH Podcast or on our website linked in the show notes. I'm really excited for this one. It's very, very tasty. Emily, mm -hmm. I hope you love it. And mm -hmm. anyone else, let us know what you think of it. And now it's time for our last call. Malachi, what's making you happy this week? Well, I started a new job this week. Woo! Snaps. Finally got hired after graduation. It's a little social media and promotions job at a, a magazine that publishes children's literature and art. And it's part time, so I'm able to do this and that. Um, and it's one of those jobs where they are breaking into the social media world more. So I'm kind of able to come in with just all my ideas and they could be like, great, try all of them. We'll see what works um, mm -hmm. instead of them having like a very set set of rules, which would be fine, too. But it's nice as a young creative person to be able to play around with stuff. Awesome. Tell everybody your fancy new title. I got to title myself, so I chose Engagement Editor per your advice and some other people's <laughs> advice as well, because um, it felt the most fitting and they loved it. They were like, yeah, sounds great. So I'm the Engagement Editor. Wonderful. So proud of you. Oh, thank you. And then on May 6th, I am getting my second vaccine dose. Wonderful. Anyway, Shaylin, what's making you happy this week? Yeah, I've got a couple things. I am really happy this week because on Wednesday, the association that I volunteer with, the Western Service Workers Association, or WSWA, we had a birthday party for the people whose birthdays are in March, April, and May. And that was super fun. We're a super close-knit 
organization and we have volunteers who come in and cook for us so we eat together so we're quite close and we spend a lot of time with each other so it was nice to to get together kind of in a small number and my favorite part was that a bunch of us play instruments or a bunch of us are musical so I was invited to sing with a live band so we had a drummer a bassist a trombonist and and a mandolinist who also plays the spoons. So it was quite fun. And nice. I haven't been able to sing live in a long time, other than the karaoke that I sang at my my friend's place just recently. Aww. Oh, that actually kind of makes me sad that my friend Sam is going back to Long Beach. He's going on like a little into the wild trip and, and then he's going back to Long Beach. So Sam, I love you. Last and definitely not least, mm-hmm. probably most important happy thing that we've had this week Absolutely. is that we have a new member of the happy hour. We are so happy to welcome Harika Madala, who is now in charge of our social media and engagement. And I've worked with her for a while and I love her work and love her energy. And she came in guns blazing, was like, I have all these ideas. We're like, bring them we're happy about like give it to us amazing so we love it i approve this message (laughs) (laughs) we're very happy to have you harika and then Mm -hmm. hopefully uh next episode we'll have a little interview with you to see how it's been going so so no one gets super confused uh harika's in the zoom call (laughs) she's just not on mic right now (laughs) so when you hear shaylin suddenly talking to harika and not me she's here (laughs) We're so excited to see what we can accomplish with the show now that Harka has joined our team. And thank you for listening to this episode of Happy Hour. We'll be back in two weeks with more happy news and tailor-made drinks. Thank you to Armand Villamoria for our wonderful theme music, to Harika Madala for being our wonderful social media engagement editor, and to Emily Curiel for speaking with us about your work. See you later, everybody. Bye. The Happy Hour is produced by Malachi Wade and Shailen Martos.